I tickled myself. Brett, that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I got tickled there. Whew. Second week of uh, I Am. Jesus made seven statements in John about himself. I am something. I am this. If you are a note taker, that QR code will take you to my notes, and you can email those to yourself. You can take notes on it, email it to yourself. fbcdan.com slash notes will also take you to the same spot. Just depends on how you like to get there. If you want to take some digital notes. Highly, highly recommend that for those of you watching through the camera because it will help you follow along a little bit better if you're not here in person. So again, we've got these seven I am statements. We started this last week that Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and we're getting to the second statement today. We will go through all seven statements, and then we'll finish up uh, with the statements that Jesus made in John where he said, I am, but there was no predicate. There was nothing else after that, just I am. Um, that's where we'll finish this series. That'll be a while down the road because uh, we'll have a couple disruptions during this series, special guests and Senior Sunday and things like that. But um, I am really looking forward to it. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed studying it so far. And uh, I'm interested to see where the Lord takes it. So John chapter 8 is where we'll be today. And then we'll back up and come back to that and then go a little bit more forward than John 8, 12. But that's where we'll start to read together. So if you're reading that with me, let's read it together. It says, Then Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. What a statement Jesus makes here. And like I said, last week we started uh, with the first I am statement. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. This happened right after he had fed about 20,000 people with two fish and five loaves, a miracle for sure, right after he had walked on water. The timing of those miracles was right around the Passover was when that was taking place, which is early spring is when the Passover take, takes place. Just a few weeks ago, this year, just a few weeks ago. Uh, so it's been about six months since that has happened uh, when we pick up here today. It's been about six months since those miracles, six months since that statement uh, we pick up. Today's events happened during the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's how we know the time in between, or the Feast of Booths. It's said both ways uh, in the Old Testament, um, and so either one is, the, is correct. It's a week-long celebration of remembrance of Israel's time of wandering around in the desert for 40 years before they were able to go into the promised land. So it's after they had escaped uh, slavery in Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, they mess up and start complaining, and, and, and they chicken out from going into the promised land when God wanted them to, and so they had to wander around for 40 years uh, in the desert, and, and, and God was with them during that time, and that's what this festival is celebrating. So basically, it's a big, week-long campout is what it is, with a lot of celebration in the temple taking place. If you back up in John to chapter 7, you'll see that I'm not making this up, and I try not to make things up. It says, After this, Jesus traveled in Galilee, since he did not want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. Don't blame me on that one, Jesus. The, Jew, the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, so your disciples can see your works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. 
If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Verse 5, key verse, for not even his brothers believed in him. Now, again, this is after uh, the feeding miracle. This is after walking on the water. This is after I am the bread of life statement. Those all happen within a couple of days of each other. And then he traveled around, it says, in Galilee for a while, staying away from Jerusalem. If you're looking at it on a map, Galilee is north, Jerusalem and Judea is the southern part of Israel. So he stays up in the northern part, no doubt teaching, no doubt preaching, doing some things up there, and about six months passed. And then it was time for another one of the big three festivals. There's three big festivals uh, in Israel, and it's the Feast of Tabernacles. It happens in uh, fall. It is a harvest festival. It's around, around, it's based off the lunar calendar, so it's not exact, but it's around October for our time. And his brothers... Here it says, his literal brothers, not, not like brothers and sisters in Christ, like his literal from his parents' brothers, are like, hey, bro, if you're the Messiah, if you're the Son of God and all that, why don't you just go down to Jerusalem and prove it then? You know, if you're really that guy, shouldn't you be proving that? And Jesus tells them, now, you guys go ahead. Y'all go ahead and head down there. I'm not coming yet. And then he sneaks in undetected about halfway through the week-long festival. Now, what is this festival? You don't have time to flip there, but just trust me. Leviticus chapter 23. You are to live in booths for seven days. All the native-born of Israel must live in booths so that your generations may know that I made the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. So Moses declared the Lord's appointed times to the Israelites. So there's more descriptions than that, but that's what it is and that is what is being celebrated and what is taking place that's why they celebrate this continually is to remember this time now how did the lord lead the israelites while they were in the wilderness how did the lord lead the israelites when they were in the wilderness this is an open question how did this happen in the day it was by a pillar of somebody said it cloud in the day all right we're knocking off some dust this is why we go back and review things pillar of cloud by day a pillar of fire by night that's how the lord's manifest presence showed up so they knew where to go when to leave when to stay it would descend upon the tabernacle when it was time to stay it would stay there when it ascended it was time to move again and they wandered around now we don't know exactly what that looked like we have no idea exactly what that looked like but it might have looked something like this maybe Okay, now, AI is crazy and scary, but it's doing some pretty cool things with art. I'm just saying. That's a pretty cool rendition of what it may have looked like. I'm just saying. I thought it was anyway. I can see how awe-inspired you guys are, but it hit me a little different, but that's okay. Now, when this happened, no doubt this was an absolute awe-inspiring sight to see. The presence of the Lord manifest daily in this manner. Why does this matter for today? Well, to remember this light, this, this presence of God during the wanderings, every afternoon during the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, the priests at the temple lit four really large lampstands in the court of women. So in the court of women, they would have four really large lampstands, and they would light those in the afternoon, and they would use worn-out priestly clothing soaked in oil, 
and that's what they would light and burn. So you can think about that. You've got a pile of clothing soaked in oil, and that's what's burning on top of these four giant lampstands. If you can't see that picture, given a rendition of that, they're climbing a ladder to get up to the top of the lampstand. It was said that the light from these lamps was so bright it penetrated every courtyard in Jerusalem, the entire city of Jerusalem. You have to remember, electricity didn't exist back then. Things were darker. At nighttime, you could burn fire, and that was it. That was how you had light. If you didn't have fire, you didn't have light. It was just dark. If you've ever been somewhere where there's not much man-made light, night is dark. And so they would burn these lights, and it would be really bright. So to be able to see a light from far away was just not something you got to do all the time. It's recorded in the Mishnah Sukkot, which is the priestly book, extra biblical. It's a historical thing for the Jews. It's recorded, it says this, As the women watched from the upper terraces, the, quote, men of piety and good works used to dance before the oil lamps with burning torches in their hand, singing songs and praises. Meanwhile, countless Levites on harps, lyres, cymbals, and trumpets, and instruments of music. The light festivities continued all night until dawn during this week. Darkness and light are a theme throughout Scripture. You'll see this over and over throughout Scripture, especially if you look for it. You'll see it all the time. And it is certainly a theme in John's Gospel. He talks about it often, from the beginning all the way through his Gospel. Darkness in the world is a symbol, when it's spoken of like this, of evil and sin and ignorance, especially ignorance of God, especially ignorance of his word, his presence, his ways. Light is a symbol of God, his presence, and his holiness. Light exposes the darkness, and it takes away evil and sin, as it's symbolically talked about in the Gospels and in the, in, in the Scriptures in general. John, matter of fact, starts his Gospel like this at the beginning of the Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. Verse 4, life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. You skip a few verses down to verse 9, and he says, The true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. From the beginning of John's gospel, he is describing Jesus as the light. The light, not just a light, but the light. The true light, or the great light, as Isaiah says it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Matthew, in his gospel, quotes this verse, quotes it in his gospel, and directly says that Jesus directly fulfilled this prophecy that was made about him hundreds of years before he lived. And what does that great light do? Stay, just stay in John. We're back to John. John chapter 3. Now, this is after the super famous verse, John 3.16. This is just a little bit down from that. It's pretty important stuff. John chapter 3, verse 19. Then this is the judgment. He came to save, but this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved darkness rather than the light. Because why? 
their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it. Just a quick sidebar. I used to tell the students this when I was, when I was the youth pastor. I can tell immediately when you're doing something in your life that you know you should not be doing. Because the first thing you do is stop coming to church. Not because I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, I heard what you were doing. Although I do hear what you're doing more often than I would like sometimes. I do hear and I do know. That's not because of what I say. It's because when you're in the presence of the Lord, which we always hope is here, that light is shining. And you don't want your darkness exposed. We don't like it. It doesn't feel good. That's what, they're, that's what John is saying here. That's what sin does. That's what evil does. It doesn't want to be exposed by light. It wants to hide in the shadows. Light exposes good and bad. So it says, the light avoids it so that the deeds may not be exposed. Verse 21, but anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light. You seek God when you know you need him so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. The last place you should run from when you mess up is the church. It's the first place we ought to run to. And there ought to be people standing here with open arms saying, I know, I know, man. I know, I know, I know. You blew it. You blew it again, dude. You blew it bad. I love you. We're going to make it. It's okay. We're going to make it. That was all for free. I had not planned on saying any of that, but there it is. <laughs> but <clears throat> light exposes good and bad. Light exposes obstacles. Light exposes traps. Light exposes tumultuous terrain, which is just alliteration for preacher's sake of saying hard stuff to get through. It exposes it, stuff that's going to hurt you, stuff that is dangerous. It also exposes paths to take so that we know the right path to take. Light is good. Light is good. But darkness hates light. Satan doesn't work in the light. He works in the shadows. He's the father of lies and deception and murder and destruction, Jesus says later on in a couple of chapters from where we are. Jesus is the light of the world. It's like, it's like the awesome song that we'll sing tonight. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. Cannot wait to get together tonight and sing these songs. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great is the Lord. Written by an Arkansan, by the way. I know I say that every time, but I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's cool. That's what the light does. That's what Jesus does. So, back to the verse that we started with. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm all of this. All that we just talked about. That's what he's saying. It's a big statement for someone to make. It's a statement that you die for making if you can't back it up. They'll kill you for saying something like this because you're saying that you're God when you say this. I'm all of this. This is me. I'm him. I'm the guy. God the Father sent me to shine bright, bright, bright in this dark world so that I could save it, so that I could save you from your sins, Jesus is saying, trying to say, trying to get them to understand, trying to get them to believe. So what happens next? I bet you can guess. 
If you've ever read the Gospels, I bet you can guess. The Jews start arguing with him. They start arguing with him about, what does this mean? What are you trying to say? Who do you think you are? Blah, 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 blah. Same soup warmed over a different day. Some people wanted more info. Some of them wanted more info. And that may be where you are today. Maybe you're, that, that's you today. Maybe, maybe you hear this and you're considering Jesus and you think more information will get you to the point of believing Jesus, that you believe who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. Well, welcome. We're glad that you're here, if that is you. The time to believe is today. Today is the day of salvation. We all need a little bit of information, but you'll never get enough information to make it exactly something that seems so safe and comfortable that you have all the information you need. You'll never get that amount of information. At some point, it takes a step of faith. And faith is something that we can't see. That's the entire definition of it. But maybe you're here this morning, and that's where you are. You just need a little bit more. You're just hoping a little bit more. I hope you find that today. I hope you hear something. I hope the Holy Spirit uses something and convinces you and draws you to God the Father through God the Son. Draws you to Him. I hope that is today. I hope you place your faith in him today because first john says he that has the son has life and he that does not have the son does not have life so it's it's either or it's either or and then there was a third response so you had the jews the higher-ups the big shots the to-dos the well-educated the the know-it-alls uh what are you trying to say man who are you we aren't going to know all blah 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 another chapter of all that stuff it's not that it's not important i just get sick and tired of them sometimes when i'm reading scripture Although I probably would have been one of them, if we were perfectly honest. It's probably where I would have started. And then there was the group that needed more information. But there was a third response. If you go down to verse 30 in chapter 8, if you're still in there with me, chapter 8, verse 30 says, as he was saying these things, as they're having these arguments and he's refuting what they're saying, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word... You really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You can't be free in the darkness. You ever walk through a room when it's dark? It's scary, isn't it? You're not free to walk around when the, dark, when the room's dark. There ain't hardly anything worse than walking through a dark room and stumping your toe. You want to hear me say things I shouldn't say, things you'd be embarrassed of, you be around if that ever happens. Hopefully you never are. Or, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it. Or maybe, this has happened to me, maybe it's never happened to you, but maybe you're walking around in the dark room and you hit something squishy from your puppies. Because <laughs> that's what will happen sometimes too when you try to walk around in the dark. You'll, you'll wind up in piles of, you know what, and then I really get upset. I'd rather stop my toe, I think. Where was I? <laughs> the, the argument after Jesus says this gets even more heated. As it tends to, it escalates. It escalates. And we come back to, to this at the end of this series. We'll come back 
to what is said during this part right here that we're about to skip over at the end of this series. But it ended with the Jews wanting to stone Jesus, this conversation. And then we pick it back up after he had escaped stoning, had, had left the temple complex, but it's right after this conversation. It's right after he said, I am the light of the world, right after they've had this discussion, right after some have believed and some have not. Most have not, matter of fact. And we pick it up just down the way a little bit, verse 9, or uh, chapter 9. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? They didn't say, hey, Jesus, can we help this guy? Jesus, can you, can you do something about this, or can we at least do something for him? Nope. The disciples do what we do so often when something bad happens to someone else. Who's the sinner here, Jesus? Him or his parents? What did this guy do wrong for him to end up in this situation? Obviously, he did something he shouldn't have done, or he wouldn't be in this situation. That's their attitude. That's their heart. <clears throat> out of the heart, out of the mouth comes the expressions of the heart, right? Jesus, who sinned? Poor blind beggar sitting there. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows who he is. Known him since birth. Can't do anything for himself. Not, hey, we got the Son of God with us. Let's do something about it. What did he do wrong, Jesus? He had to have done something wrong. We do, we do that. Someone gets sick. Well, you know, he used to be a smoker. Oh, that, that hit a nerve, didn't it? I know that one hit a nerve. That one hit a nerve. You've said that. You've thought it. I guarantee you. I'd bet, I'd bet $100 that you've said that before. Well, you know, you used to smoke. It's not good for you. As if the stuff we shove in our mouths and the things we do and don't do are all healthy decisions. It's funny how we can pick out the ones that we can easily say no to, and that's the ones we point at in somebody else. Someone falls on hard times. Well, you know, if he would just would have. No compassion. No empathy. This is his disciples. Jesus' disciples. This is their reaction to this guy. Verse 3. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus answered, this came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. He says it again right here in verse 9 or verse 5 of chapter 9. I, I think of, <laughs> it's just, I'm going to age myself here. Some of you won't get this. Too old, too young. I think of those old tricks commercials lots of times when I read something like this in commercial. Uh, when I read something in scripture like this, I think of that old commercial. Do y'all remember it? What they, what, the rat, what they used to say to the rabbit. Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. Yeah, thank you. Some of y'all knew that. I, I, think of, I think of that when I read stuff like this. When I, <laughs> silly disciples? You silly disciples? Neither. Neither of those things is the case, you goofballs. Neither of those things. This man is here at this time, in this condition, at this exact location, so that I can put feet to my words. God's in control of it. Just trust it. Man, that's a hard, that's a hard one. 
but it's true. He's here so that there is no doubt that I am the light of the world. Verse 6. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him. Always a going and a coming. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. Amen. How dark is the dark of blindness? I mean, I don't know. I know what it's like to close my eyes. I don't know what it's like to be blind. Does it get any darker than being blind? It, it's absolutely no accident that Jesus performed this miracle at this time. He's pretty smart. He physically takes away this man's blindness. He takes him from darkness to light, physically. And he's foreshadowing that he will do the same thing for every and all who come to him and believe in him spiritually. He will spiritually take you from darkness, from sin, from death, from ignorance of his ways to salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, and knowledge of his goodness and his holiness. Man, what a God. Scripture is really cool. It's really fun to read it. I wish we read it more often than we do. Verse 10. Therefore they asked him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. I skipped over a couple of verses, I know. What do they say? Isn't this the guy that was, isn't this the beggar? Isn't this the blind dude? Isn't this the guy we've walked past and not cared about at all for years and years and years and years? Isn't that him? No, it's not him. It's, it looks like him, but it's not him. Oh yeah, it's him. And they're having, they're doing what we do. They couldn't believe it. They just couldn't believe that it was him. But then he testified, yeah. He witnessed. He said, yeah, I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the blind beggar. And Jesus made me see. I have a question. Is that you today? Are you sitting here today and are you spiritually blind? You have no idea what you don't know you have no idea what you don't know about God about his ways about who he is about what he can do what he's going to do what he will do what he has done you're you're blind to it because that's what sin does it blinds us to him is that you today do you need to spiritually go to the pool of Siloam and be cleansed have your sins washed away you say how do I do that it's really simple but it's going to cost you your life here. But you're going to gain eternal life here and forever. It's really simple. You say, because you believe in your heart that you're a sinner, that Jesus bled for your sin, that you trust that his blood, through his shedding of his blood on the cross, his burial and his resurrection, that you trust that that truly is the God who can forgive you of your sin and give you the gift of eternal life. And he will give you the Holy Spirit, which will illuminate you to the things of God. I don't know if that's you today, but if it is, man, would you make today the day of salvation? It would be the best day of your life from here going on, from here moving forward.
That might be somebody today. But I know there's a lot of you here today who have already done that. So this is for you and for me. This is Matthew. Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' words. Pretty cool words he says right here. You are the light of the world. Holy cow. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now he tells you and me, those who have faith in him, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, so that, that's a big thing there, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. When we live the way Jesus has called us to live, and we do that in order to give glory to the Father. We are shining a light for the world to see. We don't have to turn the light on us. We don't have to turn the light switch on. Matter of fact, we can't and shouldn't do that even if we could. But when we do what God preordained, you like that word, Brett? When God preordained from eternity past the good works that you would continue in in faith, when you do that, you shine a light that the darkness in the world does one of two things. I don't, I don't want to be exposed. Or it says, I want that. But it doesn't say, I, can't, I, don't, know what, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see the light. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. It doesn't say that. It brings the world to a point of decision. It brings the world to a point of decision. You either have to accept what you see or deny what you see. But you can't say that you don't see it. Not when Jesus' followers actually live out their lives like Jesus' followers. There's no denying it. There's no saying it's not real. There's no saying it doesn't exist. You might say you don't want it. What is that for you right now in your life? Jesus follower, what, what are the things in, in, in your life right now that God has put right in front of you for you to do for his glory, to bring others to him? Do you know that you'll never feel more purposeful? You will never bring more meaning to your life than by doing that. Whatever it is he puts on your heart to do for him and his name, for his glory, you will never, ever experience anything better on this earth than that. It's the best we got, and it's really really good it's really good when the holy spirit just gives you that that spirit of satisfaction that that peace that just doesn't get any better doesn't get any better than that jesus is the light of the world and as a follower of jesus you should be too that's what he said maybe maybe there's something you need to Repent from. Maybe you need to come down during this invitation and repent because you know you've stepped off the path, whatever it may be, and you know you need to come back, and it's affecting your relationship and affecting your ability to see and affecting your ability to be effective in this world. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But I can guarantee you in a group this size, somebody has something they need to deal with the Lord during this time. It may just be praise and gratitude for whom he is, for who he is. We're going to finish up in song, and if you have business to attend to during this time, please do. 
You can come down and pray. If you need someone to pray with you, be glad to. If you have questions about salvation, being saved from your sins, it'd be a good time to handle that. I'm going to pray for us and we'll finish with this song. Father God, we come to you and we thank you that your word is true, that your word is faithful, that your word is good. God, in your word, you said, I am the light of the world. God, you gave us the responsibility to continue being the light in the world. And it's something that we don't always take that serious, Lord. We get distracted. We get discouraged. We, we allow the father of lies to deceive us. God, we need you. We need you. We need you. Every hour, we need you. May we be reminded and strengthened of that today, God. That living for the light is a celebration. Living in your presence is a celebration. God, God the, Jews, the, the Jews did a good example of showing that for us. Song, praise, dancing, music. God, may we celebrate in your presence today. And if someone is here today, Lord, and, they, and they've, never, they've never come to that life, they've never submitted their life to you, would today be the day that they trust in the blood of Jesus and the power of the resurrection of the Son of God? They would get their sins forgiven and give, be given the gift of eternal life, true purpose and meaning in this life. Would that be today, Lord? We pray it all in Jesus' name. May your will be done. Amen.